Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Beyond the Gate Radio this August 29th of 2011 on a nice Monday. I am your host, David M. Baker, and my co-host is here with me tonight, Sherelle Baker. Good evening, Sherelle. How are you doing tonight? Good evening, David. Thank you. I'm doing great. It's a great Monday. It's wonderful to be back on the air with you. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners and the people that are in chat, everyone that's coming to visit for a wonderful show. David, could you tell us how your day is so far and then introduce our guest? My day is always a good day because I choose it to be a good day. And if something comes along that's not good, I do my best to work around it so I can get back to goodness again. And, you know, I believe that that's the way it should be. At least that's the way I would like it to be. Uh, I'd like to announce that next Sunday on September 11th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have Alma the Seer back again with us. So make sure you stay tuned. It's going to be a good show. But today's show, we have Reverend Nita Hitchcock on, and she has been with us before as well. She's also a member of our group on Facebook called Shroud. And uh, Reverend Nita Hickok has a website called astralhealer.com. And uh, what? let me read a little bit about her to those of you that are not familiar with her. Uh, Nita has been doing healing spirit releases, exorcisms, house clearing and cleansing, soul restoring and retrieval, transforming your life, psychic vampire removal, house blessings, and curse removal for 40 years. That's a long time. And believe me, she's a professional at it. She has done many uh, exorcisms on people and more than that of houses that she cannot count them because there's been so many. But anyway, I don't want to go on and on about it because Nita uh, has so much to talk about with us tonight, and uh, we're going to touch on so many subjects. So without any further ado, Nita, welcome to Beyond the Gate Radio. Good evening. 
Good evening. Thank you for having me as a guest. Thank you so much for coming back on the show with us today. We're happy to have you. Uh, now, you were talking about making your day happy. I've been uh, I've been visiting some friends and listening to a tape that talks about how people have a set point and that when your day goes bad and when you're having disharmonies, it's moving yourself back to that set point. And that's the same thing that they refer to as centering yourself and magic. So uh, it shows that a lot of this overlaps where everything sort of works together on that because you have to find that vibration and point where you can put yourself back into that good day and good mood. That makes a great deal of sense, and I agree. That sounds really good. I just want to tell our listeners, if they're listening and they have the website up, if anybody would like to call in, the guest call-in number is 760-454-7006. It's up on our website here on Block Talk Radio. And also a short bio of Nita is posted there, as well as a direct link to her book, Solving Psychic Attack, and also a direct link to her website. There's some photographs on there that are revolving around besides her picture and the station logo, there's a couple other photographs I put up there, including one that's an actual, looks like a shadow figure, dark shadow figure in a red background. That's actual photograph of a demon, so I thought people would be interested to see that. Uh, these things seem to be kind of rare, but, you know, there are different people that do different things. And some people think that if somebody's a healer or a demonologist or a ghost investigator or whatever sometimes, if they're not real knowledgeable about it, they think that, you know, you know, this person's a psychic. You know, they can do anything. Can a psychic get rid of demons? Can a psychic heal people? Can psychic see spirit? Uh, many things that, you know, what could psychics do? Basically, a person with psychic abilities can read the energy of another or of a place. Pretty much can see if they're good, uh, see the past, present, and future. And that includes the places and people. There's a lot of psychics out there, but there's only a small percentage of them that are really good. May I say the same thing for healers and demonologists and other people in the field. The psychic cannot do everything. A medium is psychic and can discern spirits, communicate with spirits. Doesn't mean a medium might be a good psychic. They might not be as good a psychic as they are medium and vice versa. Um, And sure, mediums can do healing, but they may not be the best healer if they don't specialize in it. Sure, mediums can get rid of uh, ghosts and bad spirits and perhaps even demonic type spirits if they're trained in it. If they're not, they have no business doing it because it can be dangerous. I just want to tell everybody that uh, there are people out there that specialize in these different modalities and they're trained in it. It doesn't mean they can do everything, though they may be familiar with it. And so I would recommend before anybody tried anything, even if they think they have a gift of some type, is to do some research, read a book, take a course, 
study it. Do something about it before you practice it to be sure you know what you're doing because uh, I've had many people that have come to me that have gotten in trouble because they said, well, I, I can do this, I can do that, but they didn't have the proper knowledge on doing whatever it was they did. Get a call, I got spirits in my home, I can't get rid of them. What, what did you do? What did you didn't do? And sure enough, uh, after mistakes and they got training, they never had that problem again. So this is very important. You see so many shows on TV where people hunt ghosts, get rid of bad spirits and so forth. Lots of people are claiming to be demonologists, yet have never had any training. Folks, whether you believe in it or not, can be very dangerous. There's a lot of history behind it. And uh, mm-hmm. I want to get to uh, back to uh, Nita now. Uh, most people, including the clients, don't realize the difference between being psychic and being trained in doing the different things. So they go to anyone and they have a bad experience when the person really can't do it. And then if they do find a specialist, they just assume the specialist is the same way. So it's hard for them to differentiate. And most people that are being attacked don't know the different types of spirits and don't understand why a lot of it happens, too. Now, um, the different types of spirits, there's the classic demons, which are negative spirits, and they have more of a direction and planetary influence than they do elemental. I mean, not to say they can't use that, but they seem to be aligned with a couple of planets and with being able to you know, use these different energies. Now, a jinn is a creature of fire, and he's the Arabic demon. Now, they are more of wind and fire, and they're more related to the earth. And plenty of the sh- the different cultures, the like the Native Americans, the Siberian shamans and that, all go and have different things that correlate and have legends that are the same way all around the world. But you see, anything that's infernal has a negative influence upon a person, and anything that's celestial or divine has a positive influence. And many of what they call the gods and goddesses are dual-natured, like the Greek god and goddesses. If anybody watched Clash of the Titans, you could see Uh, in the movie that they did both good and bad and that's what happens with a lot of the old mythologies and legends so people don't realize any of this they don't do their research they get themselves in trouble and the other way is is they go and have problems from their childhood negative things happen to them and something tosses them off balance and some of these things can get at them and they never seem to get back to where they're in harmony with their lives because it seems like after anything that's an infernal spirit goes after someone, it makes it so everyone they're around just seems to make it worse. They rarely get a break until they start trying to do work on removing those influences. So what you were saying about you had a good day and you weren't going to allow it to be bad is what most people don't do anymore. They just think it's a bad day. They complain about it, and they draw even more to them. And every time they leave an opening like that, 
uh, and something that has an intelligence that's evil or negative can get at them. I agree totally. You know, you, you leave the door open for that and you're vulnerable to those different things, especially when you're not given the power to yourself to do something positive. You're just, you know, throwing up your hands, throwing in the towel. Now, a lot of people still get confused, you know, do now you can class different types of entities in the spiritual realm. You have light and dark, lower and higher, so forth and so on. And mm-hmm. there's a whole cacophony of spirits. And so let's just separate, you know, the celestial beings, the angels, the ascended masters and so forth, the saints, one level, and a dark energy type spirits different you have, you know, earth spirits and other types of spirits. Now, I'm talking about not when a person dies and the spirit leaves the body and they're in the astral plane and they see the light and they go to the light and they go through a tunnel and they're heaven, they get healed and they're, you know, regular spirit in heaven and they're no longer grounded here as a ghost. Now, if somebody was a mass murderer a psychopath or something, and this person died. And he came out of his body. He's in the astral plane. He ignores the light. For whatever reason, he hangs around to do harm to wherever he can as a spirit, you know, in the ghost form. Some people have some hauntings, maybe not specifically that type of personality, but could it be anywhere in between? Could have been somebody that's just a bad person or a real bad jerk. That will be in an area or somebody's home, and people don't know what's in there. If it's a demon or, or it's a bad spirit, you know, they, they don't know the difference. Now, there's a difference if the, that type of spirit's in there, or if there's something from the demonic field. It could be anywhere. You know what I mean? What is the difference? How can people tell? Anything that's demonic or infernal will always have some sort of gateway or iris around them, like the red around the thing in my picture you have on the website. That was taken during the oh. daytime in a window, and the the person that was having problems with it had tried conjuring it, and it never left. And you wow. could see what it was. So it has an iris around it of energy. A ghost can sometimes sort of go and get to that point. But to do that, they had to make agreements with an infernal force to hurt someone. That I call like a half soul because it's like half the soul is gone. And uh, infernal, uh, there's half of it infernal that's really just living the person's life with him and working through him. Now, a ghost will not have an iris around it. It will be drawing and draining energy. And most of the time, it will have more of a fog-like appearance until it can drain enough energy to form into a shape that people can see. And like a materializing medium, they uh, used to call it that, can actually go and form ectoplasm to help one of these creatures a ghost form or anything else. So that's another reason why you have to be expert. If you have any talent like that, anything like this would try to drain the energy from you just so it could feel the energies of life. I totally agree. Now, if somebody were not to practice anything such as, you know, 
dark magic or conjuring up dark spirits or whatever, but move into a, a home. Let's say somebody practiced the, and I'm not going to like say Satanism or any specific, you know, type of belief system because some of them are yeah. misunderstood and different people have different viewpoints. So I'll just say if somebody were to practice, let's say, the dark arts in a particular home and had those spirits manifested and so forth, and then, you know, let's say they moved away and the, and the property itself is still uh, manifesting those types of spirits and another family moves in and they want to know, is it a ghost, is it a demon or what? Now, this is why I've, I've learned, and there might be some truth to it, that some of the things are similar through a nasty spirit compared to a demon as far as moving things around, uh, footsteps, playing with the water, electricity, and maybe be able to float a spoon or something across the room. But I heard a ghost cannot do the following, and that is pick somebody up and throw them across the room, pick up a heavy piece of furniture, you know, like a refrigerator and throw it across the room, and, uh, you know, things like that or probably won't attack, scratch, and beat up somebody in their bed. Like there is pretty much distinct differences between what a nasty ghost can and will do and what a demonic will do. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but I sort of have to disagree with it because I've seen people get scratched by ghosts. If it's a bad-tempered person that scratched someone in life, they're going to scratch them in death. If they were capable of picking up a refrigerator in life, they're going to think they can do it in death and will at least get to move it a little bit. So some of those are too general, I think, in some ways. But the one thing I've never seen a ghost do that a demon does is they never have the iris form. They can't seem to manipulate the energies in the room as well. I mean, they can get anger and emotion through, but you can't see them turning the whole room dark like a demon does. I've never seen them materialize in like a window like the one I took the picture of. I have seen them wait around, and if they want to be photogenic, they will. You know, but it's the same with a demon. A demon has to want to be photogenic. Uh, And that picture, uh, the person that took it blew it up, and she says, it looks like that demon was giving you the finger. So maybe at that moment it was trying to make it so I could see what it was doing. And yeah. that's why it, it was yeah. such a good yeah. picture. To try to be intimidating. Yeah. Now, yeah. they may have made themselves known when you move into a property that is uh, supposedly you know haunted by them. But now a haunted person, I understand. And thanks for clarifying that. Now, a, a person is actually uh, not you know, oppressed, but actually, you know, full possession that the demon would try to, like, not make it known to the person that they're possessed or to somebody else, a priest or something. They try to hide. They lie. They try to hide. They try not to make themselves found out. They try to make the person possessed think that they're crazy or something else. Uh, So does that sound right? They're doing something different now. And that's the reason why I started calling them half-souls. Because it's like they try attacking the person when they're a child. And children haven't been taught the morals and ethics that an adult would have. 
So they try to get the child want to want to do something, and then they say they'll do it for them, and that is a contact or an agreement, and then the person ends up having a demon plaguing them throughout their life. One incident of this happening that I know of was uh, this, there were three sisters, and the older sister broke off the younger sister's fingernails because she clawed her face up. Now, I'm not saying anyone's right or wrong, but the younger sister went and sat there and thought, I'd like to see her die, and really focused on it. And the sister's two friends ended up dying in a uh, car accident. And the sister was in the back seat and went crazy from that. And that family has never been able to break it. And I have seen this person actually be able to make others trip, hurt others, intimidate others, change the features of her face. I mean, uh, I had someone uh, drive me to when I tried to help her the first time, and um, his comment was she did everything but spit pea soup like in the movie, and he's never wanted to drive me to one of the cases again. <laughs> but it's um, it's really sort of horrifying what they can do, and no one will believe you until they see it themselves because they don't want to think of those things and and that's part of the safety of it because uh, the reason why uh, in a lot of instances they don't mention these things is it's so the people don't believe in them and draw them. I mean with all the movies we have out nowadays everybody should learn really how to do a little bit to protect their house and home because they're going to be exposed to it one way or another. I totally agree. And there's different things people must understand as far as belief systems as well. Even the Catholic Church is pretty much divided on that. Uh, I know that um, Pope John Paul is the one who started exorcisms going again and stated that demons are real. And there's a school in Rome Forum at the American College and uh, a lot of people apprentice to it, but ex- exorcists are rare in the Catholic Church. And uh, I was wondering, two questions I'd like to ask you is, what's the difference between a demonologist and an exorcist? That's one. And the second one is, and, and if you forget, I'll remind you, and the second question is, um, you know, I forgot what the second question was. Why don't you hit on Hit on that, and after you answer that, Nita, then we have a question uh, in chat also okay. and a caller. Now, now the exorcist, uh, in fact, it's come such a chronic problem. In Germany, I was told they were hiring other uh, exorcists from other countries. If there's any German people listening, mention me. I'd like to see Germany. <laughs> but the thing is, is the difference between a demonologist and an exorcist is a demonologist is an expert on the demons. And if you're an exorcist, you should really be a demonologist too. If you aren't both, then, you know, you really can't do anything that's useful because if you're a demonologist and you don't do the exorcisms and all your knowledge is just helping the exorcist, uh, that you can't cure any problems that you alone encounter. And for an exorcist that doesn't know demons, I mean, then you can't identify which one it is because most banishings require a name. If you don't have a name, 
you have to use impossible conditions like the demon can never turn back until the uh I I make a joke out of it, until the moon turns to rocky road ice cream, you know, or people turn to gummy bears. Now those are impossible conditions, see? And that way you can get rid of it and have it where it can never come back. Uh if you use impossible conditions if you don't know the name. But you have to study all these different things to understand that. And an exorcist also has to have the soul components where it's been allowed by God to do a lot of this stuff because all of us are given the ability to banish demons. Your children shall see what's in the Bible. You know, your children shall banish demons. Now, we're all children of God, so all of us can do it. But if you consistently do it like as long as I have, it's like walking a tightrope. Every time anything can figure out how to get at you, that when you're working cases, they'll try hurting you. So it ends up being very dangerous. You have to be on your toes. You have to sort of be a little paranoid. And um, you still can be outthought because no one can think evil that is not basically evil. You can't think the way That's someone true. sneaky thinks. You know, That's true. Because I have gone and had people take advantage of me a couple times, and it was because I was just naive and didn't think sneaky, and I learned from that. But if one of these things come after you and you don't know how to do anything, then you're just left at a loss. And they just um, make it so that you stay in their realm. So an exorcist has to be very careful when they're out of balance when they're depressed, when they can't think right, you have to really be in control of yourself. And everyone's human, and no exorcist can do that all the time. So you have to be really careful, know what you're doing, and at least shield the house so if you have a bad time of it, nothing can get in and get you. But all of this comes down to mental abilities, to to being able to have the help of God and the angels, to being able yeah. to keep in control of yourself and try not to to let everything pull you towards that negative. Because if you get pulled towards the negative, then that's when an exorcist gets attacked and gets hurt. That's interesting also because, you know, we started off the, the show about talking about having a positive day and a good day. And um, we don't really think, you know, like you said that you when you go in you when you went in you were a little naive and but when you're not coming from a negative base, you weren't sure that I mean, you learn from what happens, you learn from your experiences and since you don't come from a negative base, um you have to learn how to be able to shield and protect. So now I know that it's important to protect the whole house and not just, you know, not just yourself, but also your house and the people that are in in the house and people that are going to the house. So that is also important. I didn't realize that. I just usually thought, and because like we were talking earlier, I work in a psych ward. So, you know, I don't think about, you know, not just protecting myself because we had a nurse that just recently got hit by one of the patients. And so, um, not only just protecting myself, but protecting my staff, protecting us from whatever emotions that they're going through. And it was just 
just a quick lash out. So uh, it just, I understand, finally, <laughs> I get, I understand what you're saying. And it's and like you were talking about earlier, it was um, a, you know, like it's when they're talking about specialists and how important you were saying that, you know, you have to really know and have to ask for a specialist. So I all I could equate it to or, or what I finally figured it out is like when you go to a doctor, it's just, you know, the here it is, it's just an MD, but you need a heart doctor, so you go to someone who specializes in heart. And it's the same thing. We go to the person that specializes in the different things that we need done because that is the focus. So I really appreciate um, you being here and clarifying that. Oh, uh, I need to do my car. I do my car. I do any vehicle I'm in. I carry stuff in my purse. Yes, see, I didn't I didn't really realize it, but I do know it now. Oh, D- David wanted me to remind me about the question in chat. So <laughs> let me go ahead and ask because I will continue talking. Um, we have a person in chat, April Keller, and she her question is um, lately she's just been feeling drained, and she didn't know if it was because of her own stress or um, – She's just really feeling drained. She didn't know if there were spirits around her that were causing her to feel drained or if it's just an emotional day. Okay, now, feeling drained, it can be an emotional day and you're drained, but it can also be caused by ghosts. Most of the times, demons do not drain the people. They manipulate the people. Ghosts will drain the people to try to get the energies where they can feel or taste food and everything else. And um, the other thing is psychic vampires. Now, most people that are psychic vampires do not know what they're doing. Some of them do. They even have books out on how to become a psychic vampire. Uh, Now, which sort of stumped me. But the thing is... What? Yeah. They really do have a book out? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, is there's people who drain other people of energy. And most of the time they do this, I don't know how the mental mindset works on it, but they think of themselves. So naturally anyone else that has more energy than they do is less important, so they take it from them. It's But most, most of these problems that um, go back to... Like if someone curses or hexes you, if it's a psychic vampire, if it's a human being, it's all issues with control and ego. You'll find that in there right off the bat. They have to be superior. That's ego. You're inferior, ego. Control. You aren't doing what they want. You aren't playing your role. They're going to manipulate. They're going to drain you and make it so you have to see the wisdom of their way and do what they want. Things like that. And really, if you're working in a mental ward, most of the time the people in the mental ward are probably twice as strong at doing things as the regular population because they they have it where they have a certain form of energy that's chaotic and they more or less try to force people into their world because naturally nothing's wrong with them. So That's true. That's so, true. And, 
And that's and then on top of that. Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay. And on top of that, being medicated. So Mm -hmm. that doesn't really. I mean, to be on when you talk about the ghosts and everything, and if uh, the ghosts still like you're saying, wanting to feel. You know, if someone, if they're giving them certain medications for their psychotic episodes and the ghost wanting to feel those particular episodes, or then they could also, you know, try to tap into them and get their, get that same feeling. I, I really believe I do have one, there was one patient that really believes there's someone in the room with him and he constantly needs, you know, constant attention, constant people walking by and to reassuring him that he's by himself. But today it just seemed like out of the blue, I really believe there was someone in there with him. And I just, you know, and go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have a friend who is a psychiatric nurse and uh, I expect she's the one that took the picture of the ghost in Paris that you have showing besides the demon in the window. And okay. she was a she was a psychiatric nurse and I expected her to sort of laugh at me because of her profession. But she said that the people she saw that were in the mental hospital she worked in ended up some of them she knew there had to be something else in them. She says any sensible person could see that. That they'd be a certain way for a while like a normal person, then all of a sudden it was like something completely took them over. So it, it's so really it's um, you know there's different ways to do it, but now you know with your work and that and the nurses, then you know it just takes a little bit of effort to keep the energies clear. What I would suggest is um, air fresheners. Cinnamon and that mm. apple cinnamon scent will go and keep uh, the cinnamon will clear ghosts and apples were considered a sacred tree by the Norse. So the apple cinnamon uh, will go and change the energies and the vibes. Aromatherapy does work. Rosemary is real good too. And it smells better than sage. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I consider sage more useful for blessing, and everybody else seems to think you should use it to clear. Well, that makes a great deal of sense because a lot of the Native American shamans use it for blessings as well. And so, you know, each tool has its power in some specific area and is more effective if you use it. Just like you said, Need a, you know, one should do research and study and learn so you know how to use the right tools to make uh, whatever you're doing more effective. Now, there's so much we can talk about. I just want to mention something briefly, of course. You know, everybody's interested in Ouija boards. Should I play with it? Should I not? What's going on? My my advice is, like anything else, study everything you can about the Ouija board before you use it. Use protection and prayers, white candle, never do it alone. Ask for something specific from God's love and light. Never invite just any old buddy in and, you know, you should be okay. There's much more to it than that, of course. But I had somebody contact me. We had a medium living here for a while because we were doing expos together and she's doing her things. And 
we did readings in the back, have a, what they call an injury room in the back. And I was contacted by an individual stating he needed help because he'd used a Ouija board. He was a teenager, and he came over here with his parents. I didn't want him to come over. The circumstances were that he's a teenager, played with the Ouija board at night, something came through, he asked whatever it was to come through, show itself, and that gave him permission to come in. And it lied to him and said it was Native American spirit, it's here to protect you, you need to smoke marijuana, it's good for you. And as it kept coming back, he got more power, and he stated, and he showed us the scratches, of course, nasty scratches in bed, it tried to you know, molest him and certain other things in bed. It would beat him up, and he was desperate for help. And, I and that's his person that caused me to put some links on my links page for people that could help doing that. Because even though I'm a, a medium, I don't specialize in that because I haven't been trained in that. So the other medium got an email. See, we're all listed on a certain uh, public website, and he contacted her. She said, sure, come, come on over, and later... She told me, and I said, oh, you shouldn't take that guy, but I've gotten rid of spirits before. I said, yes, but you're not trained in this. And she said, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And I said, you know what, I'm against this, but uh, take your cell phone in there and call me in the house if something goes wrong. And I immediately put salt around the property, blessed the house, said prayers, didn't want anything to stay here. I did everything I could. They showed up. They're Asian. I won't give any names or anything. Took off the shoes. The parents came in with the son, and then the parents waited in the car. The son went back with her. And then uh, a few minutes into the uh, into the into uh, her session with him, she called me on the cell phone, told me to come back there immediately. Came back there, and she told me that he wants her to get rid of what's around him right away, and she was invoking Archangel Michael and this and that, and I knew it wasn't going right, so I suggested that she end the reading right away, you know, the session. And this individual gets up, and his face changed. He turned red, and he started becoming, like, really angry, like something that takes you a while to build up to. He became angry instantly and started cussing. Then his face changed, and his eyes turned all dark right away. I was looking right at the individual. And so she ended the session, apologized, and let him go. And that was really... uh not, I hadn't seen anything like that before. <laughs> yeah, now it was smart to do the salt around the house. And um, you never know what you will get through a Ouija board. My sisters and I used a Ouija board in my, with a friend of ours, and my older sister uh, went and did, did it further and went and asked for it to appear in that. And that night, something appeared in her room. And she said she had sleep paralysis, which is she couldn't move in bed. And something actually knocked the fingernail polish remover off her, off her dresser where it landed on the floor. And that stain was there for years. And my mom made it everybody wow. get rid of the Ouija board. But, I mean, it didn't bother me, for which I'm really happy. But every time she looked at that stain on the floor, she was reminded of how scary things could get. And people just don't realize that. You can't, uh, everything you do, the, if it's fortune telling, if it's psychic work, if it's trying to see the future, 
Everything should have a little prayer before to ask the divine to help and protect you and to keep anything out that was negative or harmful. And if people don't do that, then they end up having problems sooner or later because they'll do something that's just borderline enough on a day when they aren't centered and balanced, then it'll get them good. It'll go and make it where they learn the lesson of using that prayer. Prayer is a positive thing, and enough people just go and think it's something that, oh, you just do in church and that. But instead, if you pray every day, it more or less sets your day on the right spot if you do it right, and with love in your heart for God, you end up hitting that set spot and having it work. Now, it doesn't work as well if you're ill, tired, having like a nervous breakdown, mental problems, um, or let anything really go and get you in a state where it's permanent. Now, what I found interesting, I was listening to the History Channel, and it was on the seven deadly sins, and the episode was on sloth. And that's how come I knew Belphegor was the demon of sloth. And they stated that on the show. And then they said that sloth, in the original Greek manuscript it was copied from, did not mean laziness or not working. Sloth meant apathy and depression. Hmm. And I went, whoa, because look at all the apathetic people we have. I mean, just with right. the voting. Look at the depression. I mean, it's, the depression is so chronic, we have happy pills. So yes, he's do. been doing his job. <laughs> you know, it, it just makes you go and think, wow. And so really, that is uh, one of the seven deadly sins. And I found most demons try to work through getting into people and the infernal forces do through the seven deadly sins and trying to switch people to those modes of thought. And they not only go and work on the people just like trying to materialize around them, they work on them through their lives and through the people around them. So a lot of people don't know what's going wrong. They think, how come I can't keep friends? How come everything goes wrong? You know, how come this happens? And it's because something is actively working to try to push us away and distract us from the divine path that we're supposed to be on. So every time you've got, you're doing something that's right, you have more resistance to it in some ways because the bad's trying to prevent the right. That's true. And if they could separate you and isolate you, it, it makes you more of an easier target and that was one thing, you know, when when if you have, you know, like you were saying, if you're feeling sad or depressed and you're wondering why you can't keep friends and everything, and even though you're sad and depressed and, you know, you were talking about prayer, but it, it also, it, it's still a means to an end. Even if you're depressed, you still have, there's a, you still need to come out of it. So if you start small... You could still, you know, just ask to have your steps guided. Ask to, you know, it. once you start small, you'll learn how to work your way up. You know, I think about uh, David and he, as we would go to work and everything, and he would 
you know, try try to protect and stuff like that. And I would always try to give him that time in the car before we were on our way to work. And I didn't realize how important that was. And and then I, I've noticed that now I'm starting to drive to work by myself and I have to make that time. Like you said, you, you just have to make that time. But what I forget is once I get off of work to make that time again to leave those things at work that are at work, leave those problems, issues um, at work, and, you know, also pray for, for pray for myself on the way home. I still have that positiveness, and I still have that set point like you've been talking about, you know, yeah, and I, because, I kind of... Yeah, because oh. I know with me, if if I'm doing that and I've had a rough time of it, You'll see the mm-hmm. phone ring. You'll see me in the middle of saying something, and the other driver will come over and try to hit the car. You'll see all this resistance to it if you really need the clearing. So, yeah, doing it when you come home or doing it when you've had a particularly bad time, sometimes I just say something like, thank you, God, for letting me get through that moment. But uh, it's just um, anything that's, working on you will try to prevent you from praying, too, so you're too upset to even think of it on the way home. I didn't think about that. That is true. Because it, it rather you rehash the things that happen at work over and over and over or the, the negative thing that happened during your day over and over besides getting you to the point where you could get rid of it, that you could pray about it and move on to the, back to your set point. Yeah, and I mean, and people do go and cause things. I mean, I'm I'm not perfect, that's for sure. Uh, the other day or so, I was griping about something, and another person had the same problem, and we were commiserating, and everybody around us went and says, <laughs> because of the energies we were having, thinking of those past moments. Oh, that's true. That is true. I was um, looking at your website, too, and it, there's uh, one of the bullet points was protection box plans. And I was reading a little bit about that. And I was wondering if you, because we're talking about, you know, protection, if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, really, it's very simple. Anyone can do it. What a box does is it just compartmentalizes things. If you aren't good at visualizing shields or wards, What you can do is you take that box and you use symbols such as talismans. Now, talismans, uh, there's different ones. Um, Some I make myself. Some are Salamic, you know, from the Solomon Grimoires, you know, the angelic ones, which are protective. And um, some, it just depends on where they come from. But the basis is, if you put the picture of everything you want protected, yourself, your house, your dog, your car, your husband, your kids, you know, anything like that, your website, your business, you put it inside the box. And then if you burn a candle, if it's a real bad time, you can burn a candle to up its power, but it will form a shield around you by the power of the talismans and the prayers you do, you're better if you say the prayer every day, although no one ends up doing it, it seems like. And it will right. go and keep you safe even if you can't visualize 
or don't know what's bothering you, it will remove what's bothering you with the prayer and the symbols. Oh, because a okay. Lot, a, a lot of the energies that we have around us, um, most people aren't taught to visualize anymore. In fact, um, I think the reason there's been a drop in people reading is when I was a kid, I was taught to picture what the words meant. So you okay. get a whole scene in your head from the book. Now right. children and some of the adults are so used to TV and video games where they don't have to picture anything. They've lost the ability to successfully visualize a lot of what we're talking about, you know, like shields or that, and they don't know how to focus and do it. So I thought this would be a good way to make it so that if you couldn't focus and do it, you could have it put in the box where all those energies were focused for you by the symbols. Oh, I get it. Okay. Well, that I was um, very curious about that, and that's perfect because it it is, you know, it gives you more of a of a way to focus on that. And I didn't think about that, but that's that's a very good uh, that's a very good tool to have. And that you also you do provide help with the boxes. Oh yeah, you will provide the boxes. Uh, no, I don't provide the boxes. I just give them the symbols because people like different things. So, say you have a problem at work, you can get something that would fit in at your work, put it in it, and no one would know the difference if you put a lining over them. Okay, okay, I see what you mean. That so I just great. The, I just the plans and my advice. If they have problems, I give them the advice on the problems, you know, if they didn't understand the instructions, they can call and write me, and I give them all the help they need. But see, like um, a person that's in an office where it's a real estate office would be different than a person who had a desk or a spot like where your work is, and different things would fit in there. So that's why I don't provide it. I let the purse provide it. I've had a couple people buy what they want me to put, uh, buy the object they want me to put it into and bless it, you know, and I did that for them. But the fact is, is you're better off doing that for yourself, you know, because that way it's attuned to you. And with the prayer, the prayer energizes the symbols and everything is all about you and it isn't about anybody else. Because That's true. I, I know I'm probably just suspicious, but after all these years, the one thing I've found is if someone's malicious, they do anything they can think of to go and get at you. And so if you're having someone help you in that, you want to make sure that they don't try to get through the person helping you, the people around you, so having something done by you and done for yourself is a lot better because nothing gets in. That's true. That's, I didn't think about that, but you're right. And then that way, it's it's like it, that's the reason I, I don't share angel cards. It's like this is my deck, and then if you, oh, I, I need a deck, so you would you would have to tap out the energy or just hand them a new deck and say you have to imprint this deck with your energy. So because you you don't want anyone else's reading on yours you want it all to yourself you know yeah. it's, it's important it's definitely important 
And each person accesses divine energies differently. So the way they access it is the way you access it, and it could make you less accurate and cause all sorts of problems. Yes, and we definitely don't want that. (laughs) I appreciate you helping me in terms of I'm just trying to get my, um, like I said, you know, wind down from the day. So now I have a lot of tools, and what I will be doing is I will be contacting you so far as helping me get something for work because that would – Work is changing right now, and so that would be definitely wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I can go and end up designing a few things for you with different stuff that ought to go and help calm them down. I have one that's for good health, too. So not oh, only would okay. it be protecting you, it would be sort of broadcasting good health at them, where hopefully okay. they, they would feel better, too, okay. on top of it. Well, that, that's it, what I'll do. Yeah, they definitely need that. They definitely need that. And um, I didn't want to just take over the show from David, but <laughs> I well, wanted to really talk. Today. I wanted to ask her, ask Nita about your book, Nita, which those that are listening to the show on the show page where your bio is near the bottom, there's a link to your book, Solving Psychic Attack, and there's also a link to your website, astralhealer.com which you have a blog and so much information and photographs there. Uh, Solving Psychic Attack, I have your first book, How to Heal from Psychic Attack, The Problem Solver Alphabet. But your newest one has more information in it called Solving Psychic Attack. Could you basically explain to the listeners what is that book all about, Solving Psychic Attack? Okay, it has my Problem Solver's Alphabet in it. But it also has what I call like wheels and symbols. Now, sacred geometry and shapes have been used for centuries. And what I was trying to do with the solving psychic attack was making it so people had simple ways to go and remove things from themselves. Now, I go and I still give them to the people I'm healing because it's with the pictures, you know, because it is a form of making it where you're empowered and have more control without having to learn anything. And it uses a lot of shapes that symbolize angels and that. And um, the main thing is, is like the link-breaking wheel uses the Archangel Tazfiquel. And Tazfiquel is an Archangel of Saturn who is one that helps with judgments and that. And most of the links we make with people are over different judgments or feelings. And it's also a way to go and make it so that if we beat up on ourselves over something we've done in the past, it removes the energy from that moment and makes it so nothing can link to it to push us into depression or a state that makes us vulnerable. And it and for the link breaking wheel, you just put it between the mattress and the box springs and you sleep on it for a week. Either that or if you think curses or hexes have been done to you, you prick your fingers for a drop of blood, you do hair, fingernails, whatever, and you pray to be released from the spells. And it weakens anything that could happen. Now, most people object to the drop of blood saying that, but the symbols on there, they... They don't want to do that, but if they, but it isn't any agreement or contract. It's just 
asking God to remove things and the angels. That's the only complaint I've heard about any of my methods, and it was from one guy who was very paranoid because he'd been in a magical group. He definitely needed the link breaking. But so all these links are gone and broken. You write what you want broken on the back of the wheel after you print it out, and then you dispose of it either in running, ripping it up and putting it in running water or else in uh, burning it and releasing it that way. It depends on which is easier for the person. And most people that have used it consistently say they feel a huge difference and they get back to being centered and balanced. And um, I've had most of them describe it's like a cloud being lifted off their mind. See, and that's just one. I have one for abundance one for truth and restoration, say everything in your life has fallen apart and you want people to see the truth of the situation and have your life restored and things like that. I wanted to add extra methods uh, to the alphabet book to go and help people. So that's how it ended up having more in it. It's it's just amazing, you know, the power of your will, thought. You know, some people say, well, mm-hmm. how can I think something or say something, pray or wish something? You know, nothing's going to happen. Actually, they're not totally correct. First of all, if you walk into an empty barn that you know is empty and you're looking for something, but you have this strong feeling somebody's looking at you and you turn around and there's somebody up in the loft staring right at you, they're looking at you and their energy is going into your aura and it sends a ripple to your pineal gland, to your mind, and automatically you, you feel something. If you walk into a room after an argument, it doesn't feel good. And if you uh, walk into a room where somebody just had a wedding, it feels jovial. You know what I mean? Right. If you say a prayer, it can be powerful. If you use a symbol and symbols certain power for something, it becomes more powerful. So, all things that you do in your book used in a positive way to help can become very powerful. In fact, can become amplified power. Is that correct? Yeah, because the more people that use it, the more people that amplify it. And and it doesn't take anybody sending power into it. What it just takes is the belief of the people it has helped. And that's it's very helped. powerful. Your belief, your faith, your belief or whatever, that makes it very powerful right there. Because if you don't, if you use something and you don't believe in it, then it loses its power. It becomes false, you know, it's, it's inert. So believing I've is had, very powerful. Yeah, I've had people who use it who didn't believe it would help, and then when it helped them, they they just were amazed, and their belief adds to the energies. Now, also, I was mentioning the one guy being nervous. If you're ever nervous about any object that you're about to go and use or have around, if you take the opposite hand from your writing hand and hold it over the object, you can pick up the energies from that object that's known as psychometry. And if it doesn't feel right for you, then don't use it. You know, that's exactly what it comes down to. If if something doesn't feel right to you, don't use it. If something calls to you that feels good to you, then try to uh, use it or, you know, buy the object that feels that way to you. 
that's a, a good way for people to tell. That's good common sense. I'm sure that, you know, being American people, a lot of people like to collect and go antique shopping, thrift store shopping, and so forth. That I wonder, could they use some similar methods to see if something in the pawn shop was used for something that wasn't good or might have a spirit attached to it? Yeah, they could. And my suggestion is, is if you buy anything secondhand or used, um, most of the time, like with furniture, the furniture polishes oils. So add a drop of a protective oil. Really, uh, lemon oil is sort of protective in the first place. But you can add in a drop or two of rosemary or any other protective oil into that oil, and it won't hurt the oil, and you pray over the oil. Then you rub down the used furniture and um, bless the used piece of furniture, and you can also remove anything that just doesn't feel quite right. But, yeah, you can mm-hmm. use it to see if something has a spirit attached to it or not. And I bought a, a you know, piece of jewelry one time. Uh, a piece of jewelry, what you do to cleanse jewelry is if it won't tarnish it, if it isn't a stone, like there's a couple stones that will dissolve in water, you put it in water and salt out in the moonlight uh, for a couple of days, and the salt will cleanse it. That's very good. That's how people can clear crystals as well. But I bought a, a coin that was secondhand. Usually I don't you know, do stuff like that uh, so many years back. And I brought it home, and I kept having weird dreams and bad dreams and you know, every night in a row. And I finally figured out it was from the coin, so I sold it back and everything went away again. I just wanted to tell you that. Yeah, and people don't realize that energy can stick to it. That guy might have kept the coin for years and you were getting all, or the past owner might have kept the coin for years and you were getting the past vibrations off of it. Because most of this is the energy signature of an object, and that's the vibrations, the energies on an object, and everything in this world vibrates. That's a fact of physics. So what what you're picking up on is the vibrations in nature, the object of the people that had the objects. Now, you can cleanse the objects where the people's influences aren't there, but it's also how you know when a person's looking at you because their vibrations and energies are different than yours, so you can just feel it because it feels like an intruder hitting your aura if they're staring at you. Yes. Yes. That definitely makes sense. And, you know, there's a difference in the way negative and positive energy flows. So negative energy doesn't really feel too good. Yeah, it feels erratic. It feels chaotic. It feels sort of like being dropped in a power line if you get something really powerfully evil. It feels like you're going, mm-hmm, sort of like having a bug <laughs> buzzing in your ear and not doing it consistently. Yes. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. So anybody that's experienced it once would be able to identify it and not want to do it again. One of my first teachers went and said that everybody had to experience some of the negative energies because you didn't know what it was to defend against it if you didn't know what it felt like. That's true. That's amazing. 
And that's sort of a rough way to learn in some ways, but, you know, it does make a difference because you don't get fooled. People can shield themselves, they can hide themselves, but if you've been trained, once you are near them in person, you can see it, you know, in their aura, what they are. They can do everything they want. Because like on the Internet, you get a lot of these magical groups where the people hide their true natures. And, oh, and they yes. shield their photographs and everything else. But if you get near that person in person, a part of you will be able to identify it through the aura, no matter what sort of glamour or thing they put up against being identified, and it'll always go and make it where you have doubts about that person. That's very interesting. With that, I just want to uh, announce briefly what who's coming on next week and your website and a little bit about the show next week Sunday or well, actually in two weeks rather on the 11th of September we're going to have Alma the Seer on she was on the show before she's really interesting has a lot to talk about too if you want to find out more about her go to my website and on my radio show page at davidbakerspiritmedium.com slash beyond the gate you will find all the information of the upcoming guests. And our show, generally, we are open-minded. We like to think outside the box. We do not judge anybody for whatever they bring to the show or their belief systems at all. We are merely here to inform you. We are just purveyors of information. And we like to invite psychics, mediums, tarot card users, astrologers, numerologists, healers, metaphysical teachers, demonologists, spirit rescue people, ghost investigators, people that know about cryptozoology, EVP, UFOs, uh, many varied subjects which people would have to go beyond the gate to find something about. That's why I call it Beyond the Gate. And I want to remind everybody that Nita's website is astralhealer.com www.astralhealer.com Thank you and if you like our show please on the show page push the follow button and then also have a page on Facebook for Beyond the Gate Radio Thank you very much and once again Nita thank you for having us here tonight so, Thank you so much Is there anything that you uh, would like to bring up Nita that you could be doing soon or any uh, cases that you have been through recently that are interesting you'd like to tell us about? Well, the one thing that um, I was thinking of mentioning on this is that everybody has to resist the urge that to be pushed back into the negative form of thinking. We have everything on the TV now about the economy, the government, and everything seems to be meant to scare us. And we have to resist the urge to be pushed into that level of fright. Other than that, we start doing a city-wide, then a statewide, then a countrywide cycle of the very thing evil uses to cause more disaster. And as you've seen, since we've had the economic problems and Americans have lost some of their faith, look at all the natural disasters we've had. I I totally agree. Yes, so that that's a good reason there for people really not to be in, in a good mood. 
Um, I've noticed, and the wife has too, that there's a lot of people that are, I mean, you watch like reality shows. I know a lot of it's hype because they want people to watch it, but not just there, you just see it, that a lot more people have nasty attitudes. You know, they don't, they're not patient. They're not polite. They just say whatever they want to disrespect people. Um, A lot of people are more than ever under a dark cloud, it seems. You know, when I was a child, I would get slapped if I said the wrong thing. Now (laughs) they're getting away with murder, it seems. I know it just seems more noticeable. Is it because there's more media out there, the population, or it could be all these world events that are going on? I, I think it's really our society has changed. I had a, a psychiatrist friend that told me only 30% of the people get married. Ten years ago, it was 75%. I think wow. it's an actual change wow. in our ethics, our society's viewpoints, and um, everything that's added to it seems to be the successful people and the cool people are represented by the television and more and more of those people are violent. And I think the earth, the nature, everything picks up this attitude. And that's part of why we've been having these problems is we're broadcasting for our whole country all our worries and fears and upsets. And the more you worry and fear, the worse it gets and the more upsets you have. And also I want to mention that anybody that has an ability that's psychic, that's talented, they always try, I know I and a lot of other people always try to think of ourselves as normal. And in one way, sure, you're a normal human being, but in another way, you have stronger thoughts and energies so that when you let something have an opening or when something finds an opening to get at you, one or the other, um, it makes it so that it's worse for you when you think that way. That makes a great deal of sense. And, you know, yes, it does. The, on a regular haunting basis, sometimes if, if somebody is an alcoholic, you know, or goes to a bar and there's you know, a lot of drinking, they're alcoholic there, sometimes spirits that may have been that, that are in the astral plane that didn't go to the light, that stay here as a ghost, they were a strong alcoholic, they may try to overshadow somebody that's drunk so they can get the feeling again, or even a darker energy might use that as a doorway to attack that person. Does that sound yeah. right to you? Yeah, I've seen it happen to people. One of the most interesting uh, stories I have to tell about a ghost story is a friend of mine had her husband in a coma, and she says, oh, please don't. You know, she was so worried about him dying, and she says, Nita, do you know any prayers? And I'd read the book of the Tibetan living and dying that said how to instruct a person either to go to the light or not, or how you could find the bardo yourself through reading the prayer. And he came out of the coma, and I remember finding him, and I stopped him from going to the red, which was supposed to be hell, because he didn't feel he should go to the heaven. Mm. And when you read a prayer that has a set formation, just like the Muslims believe they get 40 virgins and the Christians believe one thing, it's like the person is in that because the astral shapes to what you pray, what your prayer conforms to. So I, I went and I said, stop, you're going the wrong way. And he says, 
Nita, you even know how to ruin death. And I said, that's not what it's about. I says, that's uh, you know, you could go back and, and make it so that your wife has a couple good years with you and be nice to her. You don't have to go all this way. You're in a coma. You can go back. And he looked at me and he vanished. And that was the exact time he came out of his coma. And the next time I visited him and his wife, he he said that he had seen me but uh, when he was in the coma, but I looked oriental. And he said that I'd stopped him and told him to go back and be nice to his wife. <laughs> so I thought that was wow. that's one of the most wild spirit ones I've seen. And people don't realize it, but these spirits are just regular people. So if you're doing something that they used to do all the time and they can't do it anymore, they're going to hook on to you. So if the person that died was an alcoholic, and it, it gets to go into a bar piggybacking with someone, it's going to find the one that has drinks the most out of the whole bunch and hang on. Yes, I, I totally agree. And talking about moving spirits on, I was called to... Now, generally, I, I don't do this. I didn't know why I was called there because I never asked people. You know, I assumed it was a reading. And so I went to this place had several buildings on the grounds. It was in the middle of thousands of graves, you know, lots of cemeteries. It was an old folks' home, so to speak. Lots of people passed away there. I gave the family a reading. They were happy. And then I said, what? They were staring at me. I said, what? And then so let me uh, walk you through the, the grounds and the buildings. So I did. And I said, oh, my gosh. You have a lot of ghosts here that are haunting. And then I said, in one of the rooms, there was a, a nasty old lady that doesn't like people coming in the room, and I said, that's right, nobody can stay in there. She throws stuff and does all kinds of things. And then upstairs, you know, the lights would go on and off, and they see shadows. And so we went back, I lit candles, and I, I uh, named six people, and they all said, yeah, those were the people that passed away here that we know of that we think are here, but they did die here. So I talked to them, and I crossed over maybe three of them, the rest of them did not want to stay. One of them was afraid. One of them was ex-military, and he said he was doing rounds on the upper floor. And Oh, my gosh. So uh, I found out through doing these types of things, even though you know, that's why I don't have time to do that kind of stuff. I just mainly do readings and teachings and writing. But I, I found out over time that um, you know, ghosts are people, too. They have free will in the spirit world as they do here. And that mm-hmm. it's not up to everybody to get rid of the spirit because they're there. It might they have free will, and they don't have to leave if they don't want to. You know, providing they're not causing problems with people if they're a friendly spirit, and people don't know if it's part of their life path learning to maybe stay as a ghost for a while and then go to the light because they all eventually do as part of their path. People don't know that, so. Um, most of the you time, know. the ghosts I see that stay in one place for a long time, they're waiting for a purpose. And so most of the time, the first thing I do is I tell the ghost, okay, uh, if you were here since so-and-so, that's 100 years. Would you still have a reason to go and be doing the same thing? The person that you are worried about or that you were trying to help isn't here anymore. 
And the only way you can see them is by going to the light and asking to be uh, to be with them. And that most of the time will work on the really resistant spirits. If they're bad-tempered or evil-tempered, I ask the angels to come and make them forget about where they were staying and to take them to the light because they're hurting people. There you go. That makes good sense, you know. So I like that. Sometimes they just need help and they don't know what to do. So you're yeah. really helping them there and helping the possible, you know, if somebody resides in the place where they're at, helping those people as well have peace of mind. And it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing that you do. You help a lot of people. You went around the world. You went to the Philippines and I believe Norway and other places. And you, some cases, the uh, grounds that you were haunted from either, you know, past war or massacre could be rituals, could be anything. And I remember one case you mentioned. I think this lady was having a lot of negativity in herself and she couldn't get rid of it and you tried to help her but she I guess in a way she kind of wanted to be helped but she wasn't going through your whole program and kept falling back again into that negativity that's her own uh, fault well not so much their own fault what happens is you get a pattern see and you have to go and keep working on yourself to break that pattern. So say that you are there going and having it where you go into these cycles of depression. It's sort of like the sine waves on a biorhythm chart have ups and downs. And the person who's helping you, I mean, it's taken me two, three years with some people. They've, they've become friends. You know, but the fact is, is what happens is the person starts to go down and you try to keep them up. So by the time you're done, even their downs are higher than their ups were when you started. And once you get it to a good level, then all of a sudden, they're a happy, functioning person. Not all of a sudden, but after the work they do. And they never think of themselves as the same. They watch themselves. They keep themselves in a better state all the time. It's exhausting, but that's what it takes with a lot of people. It's just keeping them going, keeping them doing the methods. And you have to keep cleansing and clearing them out until their brain starts to function in a normal fashion. That makes a great deal of sense. Thank you for clearing that up. Yes. I had another interesting question to ask you that um, people sometimes have problems when they sleep. They feel there's a pressure on their chest. Somebody's holding them down. They're being attacked by uh, an incubus or a succubus. You know, many different things. And we won't go into detail in this on the air, but, you know, male and female but, type um, spirits. Yeah, what happens is they actually sexually molest a lot of people. I have an article on it on my website where it gives um, things that happen and ways to try to prevent it. And I've got it on my blog, too. And it's I, I have more people ask for those articles on the blog and the website than a lot of the other articles. So it must be a very prevalent problem nowadays. 
It must be. Um, have you ever had anybody come to you saying that um, they've been abducted by, you know, an extraterrestrial or some type of alien entity of any type? Um, I, not so much for my healing. I myself have had an experience where I basically disappeared off the face of the earth for four hours in front of witnesses. And when I came back, wow. I was inside. I was inside a house with locked windows and a locked door, and they had bars on the window because it was in a section of L.A. County. So they had all these bars on the window. And I was doing my work on the inside. I disappeared in a flash of flame. And, I mean, they thought that I, uh, they'd see ashes or something. There wasn't anything there. And they sent everybody out around the neighborhood looking for me. And four hours later, I appeared uh, up in the air, oh, say about four or five feet off the ground. I had my hair singed off. I had my eyebrows singed off. I had what looked like a third-degree sunburn and landed on the person that was holding my purse. I must have focused in on my purse, I guess. And... Um, I, that happened when I was about 18, and I've, that was my first exorcism, and I've never gone and made a mistake bad enough to have that happen again. <laughs> but the thing wow. is, is, is after an experience like that, I mean, I didn't even say talk about it for years because I could just see all the people putting me in the psych ward you know, because I said something like that happened, even with witnesses. Let's face it, nobody wants to believe it. And I started talking about it because it was an experience which was hard to describe, but, you know, it just um, shows the danger of doing exorcisms. That was getting rid of the demon Belial that made that happen. Yep. Go ahead. And... um, I did go and do my best to get rid of him, but I didn't get rid of him completely. And I've always been curious, but I never got an answer from Peter James, and he's dead now. He was, he did a house that had that was looked like the exact same house I did in that town, and he had his assistant hurt. And um, the TV doesn't uh, the TV programs don't sell that episode. And I never got an answer from him on it, but he had to have like five, six people go in and help him clear it. Wow, and Peter James is really good too. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's another question I was going to ask you, and I've forgotten. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. You know, uh, possessions used to be kind of rare, but uh, it seems like more of them are occurring. And I've read that if somebody has had possession or being possessed for the longer they have, the more powerful, you know, the demons are that are in them and that there are different ranks and that, more of them come in over time, and uh, some of them may not, the lower ranking one may not want to be in there, but they're threatened by the higher ranking demons to do it, 
they have to follow orders out of fear. And it's just, I mean, I've heard well, so many amazing things about that. See, demons are are not like us. So it isn't so much fear. It's it's um, sort of like a evil genius in his minions. A demon has servants, and it has a certain number of servants. Now, the one I mentioned, um, Belial, he is uh, emperor, I believe, in the direction of the south, um, and flames, and he's in a lot of different legends. I mean, there's examples of him all over the earth, including in the Celtic pantheon of a demon that attacks people. So he has a certain number of servants. Now, a person who gets possessed, what happens is the longer they're possessed, the demon opens what is called a gateway. And what has been going on lately is they seem to try to hook all of them together, like uh, the whole, what would be described as the army of hell, so that the demons can switch back and forth so they aren't as easy to get rid of because you've got a name for the one, then it switches to another. And they've been doing that to make it where uh, they can't be gotten rid of as quickly. And so most people that would read the old books would think it would just be one. Now they have ones that are called like I Am Legion, And that is what I call an agrory demon. It means it has like maybe a thousand parts. And they do that to keep confusing the exorcists so they can get at them. Because if you can't name them, then you can't get rid of them most of the time. That's when I thought up my impossible conditions. I got the idea from a Greek Orthodox prayer a person could do to get rid of them for himself. And thought, oh, that's a cool idea. Because if you give them impossible conditions, it doesn't matter how many they are. If you keep them busy, then they aren't bothering the person, and they can't come back. So that's what I developed to use otherwise. But, yeah, they try working in groups. I mean, they're intelligent. Intelligent evil is, um, I mean, they're just as intelligent as the angels. They just have a different mental attitude. But you can't describe the emotions of us to them they actually try to inhabit human beings because we have emotions and we're living a corporal existence on physical existence on this earth and they get a lot of kicks and and good uh boost of energy out of inhibiting us and they don't have those emotions so they they go and have fun when they go and experience them but unfortunately they like the negative ones so having a demon in you would be like having something say here get your leg cut off so i can see what it feels like well didn't like that too much i'll go to another human see and that just doesn't work well at all for the humans so would you say it's best for a person (laughs) no it doesn't (laughs) to try to you know think nice thoughts be nice to others and um, live a happy life as much as you can? Well, not so much that as you try to keep your vibration so you're connected to God, the source, the divine, whatever you call it. You try to stay connected to them. And you don't try to be nice because that just opens you up to a lot of problems. But when you see a chance yep. to give a little bit of charity, just like seeing there's someone struggling with three grocery bags going across the street, 
and you ask them if you can help them with a grocery bag or something like that. Little moments of kindness and charity that are unplanned that you can see the person needs it is a lot better than ever trying to be kind. Because every time I've tried to be kind to someone, it was always the wrong person, and they did that in such a way to play on my sympathies and then took advantage of me. So I just try. I see someone mm-hmm. struggling with something, and it doesn't mean you have to do money or anything else, but if you just be kind to someone, that goes and does work, but I don't do it in a planned fashion anymore because there's no way you can do it. You just see a moment where you could help someone and be good to them, and that's when you do it. That reminds me of what you said that, you know, I have a good sense of humor. That movie, Inspector Clouseau, Marie's in the store, Inspector, and and there's a dog sitting there, and he asks the guy, the clerk behind the counter, he says, does your dog bite? And the clerk said, no. So he goes to the dog, and he starts to pet a nice dog, and the dog snarls on him. And he tried to snap at him. So he goes to the clerk, I thought you said your dog does not bite. And the clerk goes, that's not my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what happens when you try to be kind to somebody. You find out it isn't their dog. <laughs> well, Anita, we're okay. nearing the end of the show. Thank you so much for coming on. You're such an incredible person, very knowledgeable, very professional. And I threw a lot of questions out there and scenarios, and you answer them perfectly. We really appreciate uh, you coming on, Reverend Anita Hickok, www.astrohealer.com. Be sure to check out her website. And if you really want to, by Solving Psychic Attack by your book, it's excellent. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we let you go, Nita? Uh, no, except just try to go and, like I said, do unplanned moments of kindness and you might change people's lives. Even a smile helps. That's very That's good. That's wonderful. Well, everybody, you've listened to Reverend Nita Hickok my co-host, Sherelle, and myself, David. Sherelle? Hello. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Rita, so much. Thank you for listening.